Hey folks, I'm Alan Furstenberg. And hi, I'm Noble Ackerson. And we are Two Voice Devs. Two Voice Devs. Noble, fantastic to have you back on the show. Uh, Honored to be back, as always. It, it, it feels like we are seeing each other an awful lot these days. Not just having you here on the show, but uh, you know, by the time this airs, you and I are going to have uh, been on a um, on something for the Google Developer Groups, right. where we're we're talking about current stuff with uh, machine learning and AI, and then next week, you and I are going to both be speaking at at Voice and AI in DC. Uh, so we we finally get to meet up and see each other again after. What has it been? A good good four or five years now at this point? Four or five years. Yeah. I always sort of tack on an extra year because of the pandemic was a blur. So yeah, the, that whole time the error, is kind of the variance, um, the error margins are like, you know, six months here and there. Um, so I thought it would be cool for us to talk about what we're going to be talking about at voice and AI this year. You know, um, you know, have you ever have, were you ever at the voice conference in the past? This would be my first voice conference, though uh, the organizer and I go way back during his Modev days, and I did a Google Glass presentation, a designing for Glass talk at one of his events. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I don't think I knew that. A long time ago, yeah. And uh, we've been in touch ever since, and I just have never made it to any of his conferences since, um, even though it's right next door. I live in the... DC metro region. So it's going to be no, my inaugural Pete, voice. Pete's yeah. a fantastic person to work with. Um, and the Modev team as a whole are, are, are great folks. Um, yeah. But for, for those that, that don't know, including you, uh, this is the, I think they're officially saying this is the, the fifth year of the voice of what used to be known as the voice summit. Mm -hmm. um, or this is the fifth anniversary of the voice summit, depending on, on how you want to count. Um, and in the past, uh, last year it was held in DC as well, or just outside DC in Alexandria, Virginia. Um, but in previous years, it was in Newark, New Jersey, which was oh. an interesting choice, but, uh, but, but it worked well, you know, and it was those, those conferences, I only was able to attend one, but from what I heard, they were fantastic meeting places of ideas and creativity and just people coming out and learning what was going on with all of this technology. Certainly last year's voice summit was, was almost a, a reunion. You know, it was, it was everyone in the voice industry seeing each other for the first time after the pandemic. And this year I'm excited because we're, we're kind of opening it up. We're saying, you know, voices is, is bigger. It's, it's generative AI, it's conversational AI, it's, you know, large language models and all of this other stuff we're now understanding is, is part of it. So I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to see, you know, the kind of, uh, the kind of crowd this brings in. I, um, I, I contextualize it this way. I've had to, you know, there's some intellectual humility that goes into having to accept that we need to sort of relearn and re-understand things that we probably should have understanding of already. Uh, and in the way you framed it just now makes a lot of sense since 
a lot of what conversational AI experts did was to play on the strengths of natural language understanding. Um, you know, you had large models and decently sized, very, you know, decently sized uh, data sets uh, for those models to train. Uh, and it seems to be inverted now with new techniques where the data is massive and the models are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And for NLU to be a thing, uh, so natural language understanding, which we use in voice to text, text to voice, speech to text, like all audio synthesis and all that stuff, which practitioners have done for years, is always sort of being all just contracted with that switch of, of big model, small data, and now it's sort of flipped to big data, small model, or, you know, yeah. decently sized model and all that stuff. So it's interesting how I've met no voice or conversational AI expert that isn't sort of relearning or re-understanding the new uh, parlance and the new ways of generative AI. So No, that's fair. You know, but I, I also think at the same time, I feel like the, the generative AI crowd has a lot to learn from the lessons that the voice industry learned over the past five, seven or so years. Exactly. You know, that, uh, you know, it's it's not enough to just say, yeah, we're just going to have this chatbot out there. And it, you know, it just has a large language model behind it and it's going to give you answers. Well, there's more to it than that. You know, there's there's control, there's authentication. There's that sticky question of monetization. Right, right. You know, there, there are all of these other things that are necessary. And then, you know, you start saying, well, what is the user experience like? You know, if, if the user has to wait 10 seconds for a reply, are they going to wait 10 seconds for a reply? Right. Um, and I feel like these are lessons that the voice industry learned the hard way. And now we really want to help, you know, the next generation of the these two uh, worlds that are that are coming together, I feel like we've got so much to learn from each other. How do you how do you feel the uh, both if you're looking at the communities sort of as monoliths, right? How do you feel? Has there been a sense of acceptance or just sort of convergence uh, that you can observe? Where you know one way to observe that is sort of um, you know LinkedIn job title changes, you know, <laughs> and you can sort of see the linear growth of, you know, conversational AI generally, generative AI, you know, that sort of growth. I mean, you know, it's funny. The 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 joke that's going around is, you know, all of the the blockchain folk turned into generative AI folk. Um <laughs> and I don't see that as true. Certainly the people who are that, yeah. out there and really talking and doing real work. Some of them came from, you know, some of them were dabbling in blockchain. This is true. Right. But most of them were either, you know, had been doing AI for a long time or had been doing voice and are merging into AI or were quite frankly doing other things and now bringing those industry expertise into AI as well. Yeah. Then you have the um, the folks that, you know, are the unicorns that have that are now working on conversational AIs powered by immutable ledgers or crypto uh, with that to generate 
um, you know, stable diffusion based uh, NFTs. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so For, fortunately, I don't see many of those. Bingo yeah. card. I was going to say the ones who are playing buzzword bingo, right? Um, <laughs> exactly. But I'm I'm looking forward to seeing you know exactly what what this confluence uh, comes up in in the conference. You know, I'm I'm really excited to see what folks are are bringing to the table and where we hammer out what what the future is going to be. I'm really excited for it. I'm really excited. So, Alan, I have to ask, what is your topic? Let's dive right in. So, what is your topic? What are you going to be talking about? So, so my topic's in some ways a new one for me, and in some ways it's one that I've talked about before. Um, I'm kind of, I'm going to be taking my, you know, the project that I've been doing tons and tons of work with, Langchain and Langchain JS. Uh, and I'm going to be speaking about, um, I think the, the subject of mine is something like open source AI advances to help developers help customers. And that's, you know, if you know me, that's that's very much my kind of theme. Um, right. And I think the, the angle I'm going to be taking is, you know, as you start building things, you're going to want to, you know, you're starting with proofs of concept. You know, and when you're building a proof of concept, you want to start with what's going to be my open source model? What can I do on the cheap? You know, and then as you start bringing into, you know, getting towards the your your minimum viable product, as you start scaling it up to handle more and more clients, you need to go into more and more enterprise of an angle. What I'm going to be talking about is Langchain is the is the foundation that you can do that with mm. so you'll be using this open source software langchain and langchain js and maybe you're going to start fiddling with you know say google's maker suite or uh you know the open ai's free AP, free api mm. or you're going to use you know um you've downloaded and somehow got to run as a server We'll talk about that one another time. Uh, a llama, you know, a llama API. Right. You know, so you might start fiddling with with that locally, and you might want to pull in a vector database. And when you do, maybe you'll start with HNSW because that's free and open source. Um, but as you are getting more and more sophisticated, you're going to need to pull in other resources and move towards an enterprise. You're going to want to start building on Azure. You're going to want to start building on Vertex AI, you know, Google's Vertex AI. Um, and the good news is that you're going to keep be able to keep using Langchain to do that. So you're going to have this open source core throughout your product lifecycle. And that's that's kind of the angle I'm going, you know, so acknowledge the fact that, uh, you know, some things you're going to need to you're going to want to keep using open source for other things you may want a commercial service for. And of course, you're going to need your own in-house code. You know, you're going to need to do some work here. All right. Where's the balance in all of those? How do you find that balance? Um, and then, you know, how do you use your own code and open source and Langchain? So you don't have vendor lock-in so that right. you can say, you know, these are my broad goals. What are the best tools right now? 
And when there are better tools later, how do I move to those tools? So that, that's going to be. I hope you do dive in. Is it you know with example? You know, I would. I'm very curious about you know those what we used to call MLOps frameworks, right? Uh, machine learning operations frameworks that were, were that talked to all of the major uh, you know uh, platforms and services out there and acted sort of as the meta orchestrator uh, between all of those tools, you know, so through, you know, if you wanted to sort of, you know, containerize code before serving, mm -hmm. you know, across different environments, you had, you know, a, you know, your, your system sort of pick up your CICD workflow and just hand it to Kubeflow and then hand it to the next thing. And you'd have an audit trail behind that. Are there, do you find, and I hate to sort of, um, you know, uh, well, I've, I've only got 20 minutes, any information. Yeah. Right. I mean, I've only got 20 minutes during the presentation itself, so okay. I can't go into too much detail. But what I'm probably going to be the the angle that I'll be taking is that tools like Langchain kind of let you serve as uh, let you use it as that orchestration layer. You know, it, so today I can use you know I can build stuff on Langchain using uh, the Google Maker Suite Palm API, <laughs> and then or using OpenAI's AI. And then later, it's a really, really small lift to shift from using that to using a different LLM model or, you know, change my prompt or change something else. You know, it's that, that Langchain is providing much of that orchestration work for us. And when we need to change out parts, we can just change out parts, at least. That's what I hope I'm going to be saying. Your 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 concept of Langchain being an orchestrator, right? Uh, you know that can help an enterprise scale is one again that, and I can't remember whether we said this. We were talking about this before the show started recording or not, but you know, things are evolving at a rapid clip is so fast that being able to sort of say, okay. There's this new thing that is now performing uh, based on benchmarks that we need to try because we, we've hit our right. ceiling on the thing and having a Llama index or a Langchain to help orchestrate, you know, just breaking out of the sandbox of one ecosystem into another is 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 very important. It's something that MLOps folks, we've been doing, at least advocating for a very long time. So glad it's coming over. No, I'm, you know, at least I like to think that that's how people will be using Langchain more and more. You know, whether whether they are or not, I don't know. I know it's certainly how I try to use it. Interesting. So it's funny we 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 all often you and I sort of find ourselves in in these sort of orthogonal sort of positions. <laughs> I you're being kind there. <laughs> I know. I find. LLMs in production contexts to be slow and then prompt chaining. I mean, they're not, I just say, not to bash Langchain, it's an impressive product. And what you're doing with Langchain JS is 
Oh, Come but there are, there are problems with. I mean, we can. It's a we, heavy. It's a top heavy language. And if I just want to just use, you know, I just need variables or just you know certain patterns in there. You know, I need. It comes with all of this other baggage, yeah. and I find chaining to be a non-starter for what I'm going to be talking about, and we can get into that later. Um, but just. So I, I think we could have another show is, is, about the problems of Langchain. We could probably have several other shows about the problems of Langchain. But I want to hear what you're talking about. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> well. As one does. Um, <laughs> I um, had a thought that I tweeted back in January. That tweet got some traction. Back then it was actually called Tweets. Um, that tweet got some traction. That tweet turned into a blog post that towards data science, a major publication um, asked me to publish uh, on that went, at least for me, viral. Uh, and so the topic of my talk is generative AI or GPTs generally is an unreliable information store and what mm -hmm. we can do about it. I wrote that as a blog post. It went, did really well. Uh, but at the time, back in February, when, you know, leading up to that, I mean, I was reading as many white papers as you do or whoever, like, you know, over a coffee or whatever. And I just, I didn't really know what was coming, right? This is, we, it's, things have happened so fast at a dizzying pace that we forget the generative AI entered popular parlance only six months ago. <laughs> you know, Nine months been, ago, it's less than a year. I, yeah, it's less than certainly less than a year, right? Uh, and so a lot. I, this is basically the next evolution. So tweet, blog post to a speaking engagement where you know um, I talk about why uh, why I actually was motivated to do the talk. You know, at the time in February there was a whole thing with Bing AI. Uh, I'm sorry, Bing Chat uh, from Microsoft getting this new feature of ChatGPT, which everyone was talking about at the time. And I go, oh, wow, that's cool. Wait a second. No, hold the phone. People, what does that search modality mean? That consumer search modality is a place where people are now used to getting factual information. They, we've been trained for decades to separate what's, what is sort of clickbaity. And we have these mental models around things that mm. we, we hopefully if we're paying attention, we ask ourselves, how do we know this to be true? And when we don't do that, we find ourselves being fooled by misinformation. If it's state uh, driven, it's disinformation or worse, right? Um, so you're saying you're worried that, that Bing was putting out results like, you know, here are five things that you need to know about what you asked. The third may surprise you. Full disclosure, I had no idea what Bing Chat was going to be because it hadn't launched when I wrote this. What I was cautioning against in that post was that should Google and Microsoft and any other search engine want to sort of incorporate a uh, stochastic, you know, non-deterministic system as part of the uh, interface with humans, it better be accurate. It better provide attribution because we're in for a world of hurt if we just trust these systems to spew out. And then months later, a lawyer used ChatGPT uh, to, to to spew out 
you right, know, to, fake to create fake. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 the, so information store is sort of, you know, unreliable information store is sort of, you know, the, 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 the reason for this talk to be, I guess. So six, seven months down the road from, from when you first started your, when you first published your article, um, and now we, we, you know, Bing chats out there, Bard is now out there. What are you with, without spoiling your, your presentation, yeah. what are you seeing? What, are, you know, what is, are, are we, have people heeded your warning or not? Well, I'm, I'm a nobody. So thank you. I appreciate the flattery. Um, <laughs> um, I think it's become a customer experience, problem, a UX problem, a user experience problem, a CX problem uh, in how generative AI is used for search modalities, at least for information stores, yes. right? Um, so you look at Bing Chat, uh, it's a completely different kind of modality. It's it's just a question answer system with attribution. I was actually kind of impressed uh, when it came out at the time. But you'll notice what Bard is doing, which is basically a ChatGPT sort of analog, and what Google's, uh, um, uh, whatever they call it, the SGE, sec uh, the new search, search experience. Yeah. yeah, the generative experience for search. You'll notice how different that experience is. And so to answer your question quite succinctly, because I've learned I, I talk too much, um, talk in circles sometimes, it's a CX problem and a user experience problem, maybe a, a you know human-computer interaction problem that could help feign reliability with users. And by, by that, I mean mm. Google generates, um, Google is very smart with when it gives you a direct generative AI driven answer and when it returns with relevant links as part of that new generative search experience. And I think that is a great compromise. And I'm not saying that because I used to be a GDE or, or not at all. I, I In that my blog post, I was eviscerating uh, Google. They had just Oh, I'm a GDE and I eviscerate Google all the time. That's, yeah, yeah, know, yeah. that's normal for us. And again, I'm a nobody, so who cares, right? Um, but yeah, it, it's it's just, it, I thought it was irresponsible. I still think it is. I don't think search is the right place for generative AI, but here we are. And so in this talk, I actually pivot because I don't work in an industry that uh, builds consumer-facing applications uh, as much as I used to. Uh, and so my focus is, because, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. I have to, I run a consulting firm and I, I'm also part of a larger uh, technology consulting firm working for the government uh, and for some um, uh, commercial customers. And so I'm going to be sharing my, you know, a framework that I came up with for my personal consulting side of the house and how mid-sized enterprises, in my case, sort of think through, you know, all the guardrails, all of this multi-layered set of systems that need to be in place in order to consi get consistency and reliability out of their systems, right? Um, whether whether the task is semantic search, uh, you know, an agent combined with uh, retrieval augmented generation, agent meaning like an API call, being able to validate things that are not in a database already, whatever the the, the permutation of the thing is, the key takeaway that anyone should uh, to, should should have after my talk is that 
we're all aware of like all the, you know, crypto bros became generative AI experts, right? There's a lot of hype seen around LLMs and I see impressive demos. Yes, I even create some of them, uh, perhaps not as impressive, but those demos will fall over the instant anyone try to use them uh, for an enterprise grade task, Yes, right? At least if their jobs depended on it. I, so I think it's interesting. You and I are tackling the how to how to scale this for the enterprise from two very right. different angles. Different angles, and I it's it's what makes us noble and <laughs> Alan, right. right? Like right. it's it's been like that since Google Glass days, like over a decade it's ago. Been right? that for ten years, yeah. Which yeah. which actually leads to the third thing that uh, that we'll be doing at Voice and AI. And that's that you and I will be recording a session of two voice devs live and in person um, during uh, the the Wednesday session at uh, one o'clock, the the lunch hour. Right. Um, Folks will be we will be able to join us and ask us questions and. uh, Live studio audience kidding. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, it's a a live participatory audience. It's going to be great, you know. Because uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what people, what people ask us, and more interestingly, how in the world you and I answer. Right, right, right. You know, because because we're taking we're coming at this from some very different points of view. Right. Which um, which will be fun, I think. So I'm I'm looking. It'll be fun. To and at the end of the day, for some reason, regardless of how parallel our thoughts are or whatever it is. It all ends up with, and spoiler alert, it depends. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yep. It's like, it depends on what you're trying to do. Like, what is your goal? Uh, there's no right answer, especially with an emergent. Especially that. Of- but, you know, also, I, I think it's important for us to be raising these issues and having these discussions so that somebody who thinks they've got the right answer, the right answer, um, can now say, well, Maybe there's another approach and maybe it's better and I need to think about it. Yeah, this is exciting. I can't wait till next week. So I think it's a great, it's going to be a fantastic event. Uh, I hope folks can join us. If not, you know, we will, I'm sure you and I will be talking about it and summarizing it afterwards. And, you know, I'd love to hear what, folks want to know you know what if you've got questions that you hope would be answered by a conference like this what are your questions what answers are you looking for um and we'll try to find the right people to uh to take them to and uh you know find us on on social media linkedin i think is a good place for both of us All right uh comments below and we will uh hopefully have some answers for you on a future episode of Two Voice Devs. Have a great week, Noble. I'll see you next week. Thanks for having me again.